Welcome to another message from Citizen Heights. We are located in the nation's capital, where our heart is to inspire hope, remove limitations, and help you experience God's possible for your life. Join Pastors Michael and Heather Giroux in their passion to help you live your best life. We hope you enjoy today's encouraging and uplifting message. Right. Good morning, church. How are you today? We're going to welcome our online campus back. We're also going to welcome our Tenleytown campus that's joining in. We hope uh, you're ready to track along. You got your phone with your Citizen Heights app open and uh, tracking along with some of our discussion notes today. And uh, it's a little sleepy in here, I've noticed. I drove in this morning to the Dulles campus, and uh, it was just the parking lot was packed all the way to the back. And I thought to myself, oh, that's a, that's a good problem. Easter could be an issue. And uh, so I started thinking about Easter. And then I came inside, and it's kind of sleepy. And then I remembered right after worship, oh, some of us lost an hour of sleep last night. So we're a little grumpy. <laughs> Not grumpy, just a, a little slower than normal. Uh, if you're a little slower than normal, that's okay. We are going to just uh, take our time here. In the next few moments, how many are excited to hear what God has for us today? We're in a new series. It's called Awakenings, uh, and uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. But let's go ahead. First of all, if you, if you like the Bible, you're in a good church because we love the Bible here at Citizen Heights. Uh, I've got a couple good ideas, but God has uh, a plan and a path, and His Word is true and sure. And so we're going to go with His Word today instead of your ideas and and my ideas. So let's turn together. If you have your Bible, we'll turn to Acts chapter 3, uh, verse 19 and 20. In a few moments, when I prompt, team can put that up, but not yet. Um, I want to I take a minute and give you a minute to get there to Acts chapter 3, verse 19. And the series is Awakening Revival is Near. We, we had our first week last week. Uh, we said oh, revival is near. We, did, we really answered the question last week talking about Revivals past, like revivals have been part of church history, part of biblical history, and we went through some of the past revivals, and we said, you know, we don't really know if categorically people will will look at what's happening now throughout the earth and say revival was happening, revival is here, but we don't know if it's historic what's going on, but we do know it's personal, and that revival is near to every single one of us. And we talk about how God is near. And so we know revival is near. And it's just an opportunity for us to step in to, to saying, God, awaken my heart and revive me. In the word awakening, uh, we talked about how it's widely used in reference to revival. And the idea of awakening in the Bible, it, it implies that there was some slumber, there was some passivity, like there was some snoozing, and God came and woke you up, awakened you, awakened his people, and revived them. So uh, I want to talk today a little bit about, uh, about this topic, and I want to take it from the past of revival, which we discussed last week, and today I want to talk about the purpose of revival. Are we tracking okay? All right. So, and last week we talked a little bit about how we wake up each morning, if you recall, and, and, and so we had a few different alarm types, and like Pavlov's dogs, we heard those alarms and our hearts raced and jittered and the sound of your alarm going off is not a soothing sound, right? It's not a sound that brings comfort. It's really a panic and, and you leap out of bed. Well, at least some of us do. And, uh, you know, we just talked about the, 
the, the PTSD, the secondary, like when you walk by, if you've got a roommate or you've got kids or maybe your spouse and uh, the alarm goes off and you hear that noise even in the middle of the day, and I won't do it again because I, I got some negative feedback about amplifying the sound of alarm to the already awakened, right? And, and so we talked about that, but I want to continue the informal little sleep study that we have going that we began last week. And let me ask you a question and, and proceed with a thought. Do you, do you uh, use your snooze button? How many here use your snooze button? Tenley Town Camp, we got quite a few. I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm a little surprised. I prepared for, like, what if nobody raises their hand? Uh, Tenley Town, I'm not sure uh, how, how you're doing, but if you use your snooze button, maybe online campus, you can let somebody know in the chat, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a snoozeaholic, right? You, you're big on hitting the snooze button. And uh, there's no judgment, first off, okay? Uh, because, but there is a purpose behind a snooze button, isn't there? And, and the purpose is, okay, but not yet, right? Isn't that the, the purpose of the snooze button? It's, it's like just five more minutes, and then just five more minutes again, and then just five more minutes again, right? And that's its purpose, a, a few of us, some of us here. Um, but eventually you have to wake up right eventually you have to because you have you have an appointment you have a meeting you have the kids you have you have to uh you know the, your spouse or or start your commute and those kinds of activities require you to be awake right and so eventually you have to get up and and uh and that's just a reality but when i was growing up i don't know if you had a parent like this anybody out there have a parent who would who would wake you up you didn't set your alarm that day they would just take it upon themselves to come and to wake you up. Not because you had something to do, not because you had a place to go, but because it was what I was told, in quotes, it was time to get up. Hey, it's time to get up. Who says? <laughs> Who says it's time? I have come to find that as a parent because now I will do this to my kids. Hey, it's time to get up. In the translation, it translates loosely and parental ease if I can't sleep neither can you <laughs> get up it's sleep jealousy <laughs> at its core I didn't have anything to do why am I up because I don't get to be asleep you don't get to be get up but 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 we get it right we all have to get up at some point whether you're a snoozer or whether you jump out of bed hopefully there's something on your schedule on your day on your mind on your heart that's ahead of you that you know there's purpose in this day can I tell you it's really difficult to get up in the morning when you don't have a sense of purpose it's very difficult when you don't but when you have not just a schedule of activities but you have like you have a list of objectives like I've got purpose today isn't it great to wake up when you know you're going to make a difference and things are going to change that day and things are going to get done and things are going to shift? And, and we, we, we get that, right? You get up and you go work out. And maybe it didn't feel great getting up to go work out, but man, you feel great afterwards. Why? Because there was purpose. You got up this morning and you said, I'm going to serve at church, some of you. And you didn't just arrive an hour early on, you know, spring forward. 
you arrive several hours early just to be here, to get the facility ready, to prepare, to make sure people's children were taken care of, and the worship sounded good, and the coffee was made, and the cars were parked. Come on, you that's purpose, and you got up with that kind of purpose. So we set our alarm to awaken us because we have purpose. There are things that need to be done. Now, we're talking about waking up and awakening in the spirit, right? We're talking about your spirit. And, and, and next week or the week after, I'm going to do, I'm going to talk a little bit about the spiritual reality of your existence. Because I think sometimes we just get so physical, carnal, temporal, that we forget that there's a spiritual eternal. And uh, the, the blip on the timeline of eternity it's not even a pencil lead. I mean, if you strung a yarn from end of this room to end of this room and just put a pencil lead on it, that's, that, that's too big. The pencil lead is too big, representing your life in all of its grandeur of 80 plus, 90 plus, 100 years in con- contrast to eternity in the spiritual reality of what we do in this life and how it resonates forever. And I think sometimes we sleep on eternity. We sleep on spirituality. But you're a spiritual being. And you have spiritual purpose. And so I want to talk about this idea, revival and awakenings. Because revival and awakenings, they have great purpose. God does it with purpose. Do you believe that? Uh, some of them might be restoring the, the presence of God to his church. You know, just restoring a sense of God is here, God is near, God is in this place. It could be restoring awe and fear of God, the awe and the fear of God. It, restoring desire uh, for purity, desiring uh, a desire to have victory over sin and to live a life that is in keeping with God's plans for your life. It could be restoring our love and our sense of mission for people to come to Jesus, right? Uh, 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 Like a sense of mission for people who don't know God. And God restores that in revivals. There's lots of purposes that that God works in the midst of revival. So many facets. But I want to zero in on one today, okay? And it so happens that every major revival and every major awakening is marked by this thing we're going to discuss today. Have you found your way to Acts 3 yet? Acts 3, if you don't have your Bible, our team's going to put it up on the screen right now so you can track along with us. But look at this, it says, Acts 3, 19 19 through 20 says, Repent then and turn back so that your sins may be wiped away, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Man, I love this. See, in Acts 3, this is in the midst of a a massive awakening. When when this text is written, it's, it's... it's talking about an awakening and a revival where thousands of people in one day are coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And, and, it's, and it says, repent, turn back, sins wiped away, times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. And I want to I key in on a phrase that if you like to underline in your Bible, uh, some of it you like to highlight in your Bible, just so when you flip it open, people know you've read your Bible. You've got like the markings of I've been there, God said that. Uh, underline, repent, turn back, wiped away, and then underline really big times of refreshing. And I just want to say times of refresh. I want to key in on that times of refreshing. 
we're told that times of now if ever there was a season like just if you're just a student of human history if you're just an observer of of culture and 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 the ebbs and flow of humanity and or maybe you just watch the news enough you know right now after the last several years right now is a time where we need times of refreshing probably more than ever in my lifetime we need times of refreshing we need the refreshing that comes and, and we need it and i remember back in the i guess it was back in the 80s there's a revival going on up in canada and we went up to this revival and i, I i'm telling you the truth people were lined up around the door down the sidewalk it went on and on and on you had to get to church about two hours early to get in line so that you could be one of the first ones to get in maybe one of the first five rows and they you would stand out there in the rain or the snow just to get into church i'm telling you that's the truth and 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 i remember one of the songs they would sing at this revival it was called times of refreshing it was an old vineyard song and that's all it was just times of refreshing they just sing it over and over again times of refreshing and and there is something in in our culture today in humanity in the heart of man and every man and woman that we need refreshing especially now so i want to i want to give you three essential understandings that invite times of refreshing is that okay it's time to refresh and in times of refreshing there's i believe there's three essential understandings if you want to get to this purpose one of the purposes of god awakening and reviving people is so that they come to a season of refreshing but it happens refreshing is the fruit repentance is the root so i want to talk to about talk to you a little bit about repentance okay are you ready this is going to be a little bit, you know, I'm putting on my Pentecostal preacher shoes today because, because this, is what, this is where it is. Listen, understand something. The word repent, and I know sometimes there's a recoil of, oh, it's fire and brimstone. Repent and turn. Jesus himself said, repent. Repent and be saved. Times of refreshing. Who wants them? Come on, who wants it? If, if God was to work it in your life to the measure of how high you raised your hand right now, who wants times of refreshing, right? Some of you still don't want it. All right, who, right? Times of refreshing. Refreshing is the fruit, but repentance is the root. So let's dive into three essential understandings. Number one, Tenley Town, you got this with us. Number one, the reality of sin. We have to have an understanding three essential understandings the first thing we have to understand is the reality of sin and i'll parenthetical this we all have sin you can just write that in your notes we all have sin that makes it very easy have you ever had to uh, uh, approach a conversation where one person in the room was the problem and everybody else was okay and you're doing the staff meeting you're like okay everybody we really have to stop burning popcorn in the staff lounge because it smells up the whole place. And, and everybody knows there's only one person in here who is burning that popcorn. All of us are just victims of it. You know, and, and there's just one person in the room who needs to hear it. Can I tell you, that is not the case when we talk about the reality of sin. There is nobody in here who is especially worse and, and certainly nobody who's any better. The reality of sin is we all have sin. What the Bible teaches about the spiritual condition is that we are fallen. And I know that's not flattering. I know that that might not, you know, really 
make you feel like, wow, I'm, I'm such a great person. No, I'm sorry, but the Bible says you're not a great person. It says God is great, and he has great plans for, in, in future for you. But it says that uh, man is by nature a sinner. It's, it's, it's like, listen to me, it's in our nature. Have you ever said, said ever heard somebody talk about how, um, you know, this, this kind of dog attacks somebody, and it's really against its nature. And you're like, was it a pit bull? My son makes this argument with me all the time. He's like, Dad, pit bulls are really good dogs. I'm like, don't have a pit bull. I won't come to your house. I'm sorry. I know I'm probably offending some people right now. It's like they have a propensity for vicious behavior. They just do. I'm sorry. And, and, so, and so it's don't tell me it's not in their nature. If they're doing it, guess what? It's in their nature. And so many times we, we try to make excuses like, oh, that's, that's just out of character for him. No, 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 that's in our nature. Well, that was really out of character. No, sin is in our nature. How much so? Romans 5, 12. Let's make it really easy. Let's get out of pit bulls. I know I've offended too many people. I love dogs. I love dogs. I just don't want to be in the presence of, I, of, of that, of certain dogs. Romans 5, 12. I'm not making it better, and, I, and I'm really communicating poorly, but. Romans 5.12, foolishness of preaching. 5.12 says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus, get it, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. What's he saying? He said, well, in Adam, because Adam rebelled, in that one man, sin entered into the nature of man, and when and, and so and, and not just that, but death spread to all men because not did they just, not only did they just receive sin nature because Adam sinned, but everybody sins. When people say that it's against their nature, or her nature, no, it's not. The Bible makes it really clear. It's 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 part of the fall. It's the spoiled nature. It's the fallen nature. God had a perfect created nature, and when man rebelled, there's fallen nature. And it entered into not just Adam, but into all of us. That's why it says, in one man, sin entered. And in the God-man, Jesus, sin was dealt with. All right? So it's part of our nature. You can't educate it out of you. You can't reason it out of you, right? The moral disposition uh, of, of, our, of our personhood, our inclination of our base nature is perpetually toward evil and against good just is do you believe that see i think it's funny because the sinful nature of of humanity is it's in my opinion at once it's the most empirically verifiable reality that you can possibly it's so easy to prove but at the same time it's the most intellectually resisted fact no i'm basically a good person i mean ask anybody oh i'm, I'm basically i'm a good person i'm sorry but you're not i i, I mean I'll give you good news in a minute, but let me give you the, the truth right now. <laughs> Let's be clear. It's not just that we have sin in our nature because Adam did it. We all have inten intentionally, proactively, and repeatedly sinned. That's why Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So that word sin, it means harmateo in the Greek. It means you missed the mark. It, it, the word picture of the word sin in the Greek, it's actually, just imagine a target on the wall, and, and that's God's plan for you. Hit the bullseye, Michael. Go ahead, hit the bullseye. 
The only problem is Michael's aiming mechanism, his scope is bent. It is always veering. And so no matter how hard he concentrates, strives, you know, strains, no matter how much effort he puts into it, he cannot shoot that arrow straight to hit the target. Harmateo, you miss the mark. And you're perpetually missing the mark. Right? So we all have done things that are displeasing to God. There's none who are innocent. We all have sin. This is essential because this reality awakens our need for a Savior. Right? Doesn't it? This reality awakens that I need forgiveness and I need refreshing. But if you don't understand the bad news, the good news doesn't make any sense. Like if the doctor comes in and sees you and after a few tests comes in and says, I've got great news for you. What's the good news? I've got great news for you. I'm going to give you this shot. And you go, why is that great news? Oh, I forgot to tell you the bad news. The bad news is you have... Uh, you know, a lethal, fatal disease that is only cured by one shot, and there's only one in existence in all the world. Well, the good news doesn't make sense until you understand the bad news. If you tell me the bad news, I'm a sinner. Now I understand that there's good news. I can be saved by grace. Understand? And so that's why this understanding is essential. Number two, the second understanding that's essential if we're going to move into a place of times and invite times of refreshing is the power of repentance. We've got to understand the power of repentance. And, and we can subdo this with, with uh, we all need to repent. Right? We all have sin, but number two, we all need to repent. In Acts 3.19, we read this, but I want, to, I want to refresh this, and then we're going to build on it. Repent then and turn back so that your sins may be what? Wiped away that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. See, two essentials you see. Sins can be wiped away, and times of refreshing can come. But again, that's the fruit. What's the root? Repent. There is a refresh and repentance that will awaken your spirit. There's a refresh and repentance that will make alive your spirit. And I think some church people sit in church, and they hear a message like this, and they go, Oh, I wish I would have brought in somebody who didn't know God today so they could hear about repentance. No. God awakens us to the reality of our need for a Savior, and we come out of our sleep. And then years of of just life and church and going for God, and you don't know it, but you've been hitting the snooze button a little bit lately. And you've been slumbering a little bit lately. And some of the things that God had made real early in life somehow have grown cold. And you wonder, are the promises of God really yes and amen? Like, I, maybe, maybe I just got to do this on my own. Or maybe God's not into it. Maybe I've disqualified myself. And you find yourself distancing. There's a refresh, not just in repentance initially, but repentance daily. Listen, I'm, I, we're going to get there in a second. But there's a refresh in repentance that awakens and revives your spirit. So knowing what repentance is and actually repenting, are, are, this is essential to true Christianity. Okay, so uh, Jesus Christ himself said, repent or you will perish. And, and that's not one and done. Can you just make a note if you take notes in church? Uh, repentance is not once and done. It's not one and done. It's, it's, it's a daily activity. And so d- the disciples of Jesus hear the call and they, they practice repentance. Now we'll get to that in a minute, but let me first develop this thought, this idea of, of the power of repentance. Uh, 
So the wonderful results we just read in Acts 3 is my sins are forgiven and my spirit is refreshed. That's the result. It's important that we understand how do we get there? Repentance. So what is repentance? Old Testament, two Hebrew words. Uh, these are in your notes, um, but you, you got to understand these, these words to understand what, what is repentance. Is it just like crying? Is it feeling really, really bad? Is repentance feeling shame? No, repentance is a little bit more dialed in that. The first word in the Old Testament is nakam. It means to turn around or change your mind. To turn around 180 degrees and change your mind. Uh, the second word is sub. And we see this word 600 times in the Old Testament. It means turn, return, seek, restore. And so we see these two Hebrew words. So, and, and you often see that in the phrase to turn to the Lord with all your heart. And that's the word. Repent. There's a turning. There's a changing of your mind and a setting of your course that is opposite of where it used to be. Are everybody okay with that? Now let's get one more word in this. The New Testament word uh, in the Greek is metanoia. It means to change your mind, to change and go the other way. So you've been thinking one way, but you, you think the opposite way. You've been going one way, but now you're turning and going the opposite way. So, so what is repentance? Repentance is not just sorrow or regret or contrition, although those would, those would be markers and, and evidence of repentance, but it's to change how I think and how I live and turn and go the other direction. So repentance is not just feeling bad. It's changing course. It's acknowledging it's acknowledging the sin, but it's moving and turning away from the sin. So that the power of repentance is that it not only wipes away your sin, which would be enough, but then it brings times of refreshing. And some of us have been living stale and out of date and expired because there hasn't been fresh repentance. So it brings us to the final understanding. Number three, the final understanding to bring times of refreshing is the holy habit of confession the holy habit of confession we all have sin we all need to repent but we all can be cleansed come on we all can be cleansed the holy habit of confession i talked to our heights men about this a few weeks ago and i was just reminded how the holy habit of confession like there's there's habits that you if you want to be physically fit you install certain habits right you're going to eat this. You're not going to eat that. You're going to wake up here. You're going to work out over here. The, these are the habits. And when I do them daily, I live in the, the fruit of that, that investment. And when we talk about the holy habit of confession, refreshing is, is the fruit of the holy habit of confession. See, the power of repentance is really dependent on confession. Let me establish this and, and we'll close. 1 John 1, 9. Look at this. It says, it's just a wonderful reminder. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess, see, if it, it's an if. It's dependent upon. If we confess our sin, sins, you know, we understand Adam and Eve committed the original sin. Their response they covered themselves, right? They, they're grabbing leaves off trees and they're trying to put together some sort of apparatus to cover them because they're aware they are, they're out there now. They're exposed. They're naked. 
They were never aware of it before, but now that they've sinned, they're aware of themselves, and they're trying to cover themselves. And of course, we read how God comes and finds them, and, and the covering that they fashioned for themselves wasn't enough. So God covered them, which meant blood had to be shed. Animal is, is killed, and the, the covering of the animal became the covering, but it was just temporary. It wasn't good enough. And that's why the Bible says in Hebrews that Jesus became the high priest, the once and for all good enough sacrifice. It's not just a cover-up. It's a, it's, a, it's a confession that deals with it. Right? We can cover ourselves up or we can confess to God. We can cover ourselves or we can confess to God. We can cover ourselves or we can confess to God. Can I tell you, shame is just a cover. People who just put on shame and just feel bad for what they did, how they lived, what they should have done, what they didn't do. Shame is just a cover. You might think it makes you closer to God to feel bad, but that's not, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Shame is not the product of God's, of, of God's uh, uh, covering. Shame is the product of you covering. Because once you confess, it's done. It's gone. And you release it. And the enemy can't use it anymore. And even when he comes to remind you of it, you just remind him, enemy, thank you for reminding me that that's what I did or that's who I used to be. Because you've just reminded me how good God is and how complete his forgiveness is and how shame is a sham. And it's just a covering that I put on to kind of like put myself in a penalty box that God never designed for me. Jesus became the propitiation and the payment of our sins. He went in the penalty box for me and exploded out of it three days later, alive with the power of God that condemns sin in the flesh and deals with my bad days and my mistakes and my regrets. You can have a cover-up or you can get cleaned up. Let me show you one last thing. 1 Timothy 1.15, I hope this helps you. It might not be one last thing, but it's close to one last thing. 1 Timothy 1.15, so essential. Times of refreshing. Listen, church, we need it. You need it. Your family needs it. Your kids need it. Your neighbors need it. And I'm telling you, when it begins to truly roll in like a river, lines form to get to it. 1 Timothy 1.15, I hope this helps you. Paul was very much connected to a spiritual condition. He wasn't trying to preserve some false persona. You know, he wasn't trying to, like, guard his reputation. He wasn't worried if it, if, if it hurt his standing or if this gets out, people won't read my epistles. No, Paul didn't think like that. This is what he says in 1 Timothy 1.15. He says, it's a faithful saying. It's worthy of all acceptance. You can believe this, guys. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I'm the chief. I am the chief. Paul said, I'm the chief sinner. The honesty of a self-given title that acknowledges says we all sin, we all need to repent, and we all can be cleansed. He says, I'm the chief sinner. David wrote in Psalm 51, he says, I know my transgressions, I know them well. My sin is always before me. I'm aware that I have sin. I'm aware that I need to repent. But I'm also aware that I'm cleansed. Solomon, Ecclesiastes 7.20 said, Indeed, there is not one righteous man on earth who continually does good and who never sins. Nobody. 
What does that mean? That means that you don't just come to the cross, repent, and it's like, there it is. I'm forgiven for all the mistakes I ever made, and now I will never make mistakes again. Sorry, doesn't work that way. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to stumble. You're going to fail. You're going to fall. You're going to do things and regret it and look back and say, who was that? That's so against my nature. No, it's actually in your nature. But here's the promise of heaven. Confession brings cleansing. And confession brings refreshing. So don't give up. I don't give up. If, if, you, if you don't know God today, we're going to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer and say, I repent. I, God, I need your forgiveness. But if you're a church person or a believer in Jesus, and you just thought, man, I, I just thought I'd be living victoriously by now. I didn't think, this, I thought, I, I didn't think I'd have all these hang-ups and habits and, and issues and things hanging on to me. Can I tell you, can I encourage you today that Paul said, listen, I'm the chief sinner. He didn't say, I used to be. He says, I am that guy. And I'm going to the cross every day. It's not a destination I visited 20 or 30 years ago in Bible school or in, or, or in Sunday school and never have been back. I'm going there daily because I got to find that refreshing. I got to have a clean conscience before God and man. And here's the goodness of God. The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up again. A righteous man is going to fall. A righteous woman, you're going to falter. But what determines if you keep going in God is, are you going back to the cross? Are you fresh in your repentance? Are you receiving forgiveness? And are you now receiving the presence of God and the refreshing that comes? If Paul can admit it, come on, if David can admit it, if Solomon can admit it, you can admit it. We can all admit it. So now we choose, cover it or, or confess it. We get, we've got to conclude it. But I, I, this is so important. It's so essential. Our entire journey as followers of Jesus is rooted in a spirit of repentance. It's not I did. It's that I am repentant. It's not that I, used, that I did repent. It's that I'm living repentant. There's humility. There's a sense of need. There's a sense that my Savior is, is beyond me, but he covers me and cleanses me. Confession releases the power of repentance, but it also releases the wonderful result of refreshing. So we turn from it. Amen. We have an opportunity. I'll, I'll, let's make a decision. You know, and, and revival in your life starts with decisions you make at a personal level. Decisions you make to say, oh, I'm, uh, you know. I have been watching some stuff I never should have watched and never used to watch. I have been contemplating thoughts and ideas I never used to. It never got through the filter. And I've been, you know, I've just been allowing them and, and, and making excuses. But I need to repent from that. Maybe you let things slide. You know, repent. Maybe you put other things ahead of God. Let's go old school. Let's repent. God, I'm sorry I doubted you. God, I'm sorry that I, I didn't trust you. I'm, God, I'm sorry that I, I gave in to fear. And I let fear start controlling me. God, I'm sorry that uh, I gave in to selfishness or pride or greed or envy or covetousness. And, and it's just so pervasive. I'm just, you know, I'm covering all the time. 
What if we just start today by saying, no, I need to get back to confessing my sins to the Lord. And then getting those things wiped away. A grace to walk away from shame. An empowerment to beat sin. Although sanctification is a journey, it takes time. And a refreshing that can only come from His presence. Amen. We just close your eyes wherever you are. Online campus. Tentley Town campus as well, all of us here in the room. Maybe minimize any movement in the room just to say, God, we want this to be an altar. Now, is this going to be a, a revival that historians write about? I don't know. But I want a revival personally that my kids hear about, and that my spouse can see working in me, and the refreshing that God has for me. So we, we take a moment to respond. We take a moment to say, I'm not going to cover, I'm not going to fashion things to make excuses. I'm just going to come clean. And what a moment it is that we have a God that is so faithful that he continues to remind us. We have a God who's so faithful. I want to give an opportunity right now. I'm just going to pray. If you want to respond to this message, just start for those who say, I need to get to the cross today. And it, it might be one of those first-time moments where you just don't know where you stand with God. You feel distant. You know you haven't been living right, but you also have wondered whether he was even interested anymore. God desires that all would be saved and none would perish. His heart is for you. But the decision is yours. And I want to commemorate that decision and just mark that decision. I'm going to pray with you right now. With every eye closed, no moving around, no looking around. But I want to give an opportunity. I'm going to count to three. When I hit to three, hit three, I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand. And by lifting your hand, you're saying, God, I need you. And then we're going to pray a simple prayer over the, over the church right now. And in that prayer, you're not joining a church. You're not saying, I got it all together. You're not saying, I don't have any questions. You're just saying, I need to repent. I need my sins wiped away, and I need times of refreshing to come. If that's for you, are you ready? One, don't wait. Today is a day of new beginnings. Two, he loves you right where you are, but he loves you too much to leave you where you are. He has purpose, and his purpose is found in the fruit of repentance. You're like all of us in this room. We all need Jesus. Are you ready? One, two, three hands in there. Say, yeah, include me in that prayer. Include me in that prayer. I'm not going to call you out of your seat or embarrass you. I'm just going to pray a general prayer over us here. Praise God. Maybe you've prayed this prayer before, but you know this is a, a moment of recommitment. And even a commitment to this, this word that I need to live a lifestyle the daily habit of confession, the holy habit of confession. We're all going to pray this prayer together nice and loud. Are you ready? Dear Jesus, I love you, and I need you in my life. Forgive me for my sin. I repent of it. I turn from it. I turn away from it, and I turn toward you. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you have a plan for me. And thank you that you have a purpose for me. So say this boldly now. I need you, Jesus. 
Come into my life. Come into my life. Wipe away my sins. And let times of refreshing. I don't want to cover it. I don't want to cover it. I confess it. I need you, God. I need you, God. Now say this boldly. I am a Christian. By God's grace, I'm saved. It's his gift to me. I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. But I receive it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, can we rejoice with those who just prayed that prayer for the first time? Come on, let's rejoice.